Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Encouragement Expert Podcast. We're glad you're here with us today. Let's join Pastor Wes Doffenbaugh as he encourages us with a message titled, Choose Faithfulness. Praise the Lord. It's a delight to be with each of you today. I love you. God bless you in Jesus' name. I have a wonderful message called Choose Faithfulness, but let's say a prayer. Father, we pray that you'll bring out the the truths in your word real clearly by your Holy Spirit and then help us to uh, put these into practice uh, for your glory. And we know when anything is for your glory, that ends up being for our benefit and the benefit of others as well. And so this is what we ask in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. The message is called Choose Faithfulness. Now, uh, faithfulness is a really big deal. Jesus said to the Pharisees, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Now, you know what dill is, the little round balls and dill pickles, the little tiny, tiny dill. Uh, So the Pharisees were taking garden herbs and being faithful to tithe on the tiniest little bit, but they were neglecting the weightier matters of the law, and there's three of them, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Well, then in the book of Revelations, when Jesus returns, it said that uh, he will bring with him those believers who have stayed faithful. So verse 14 says, they will, uh, the enemies will make war on the lamb and the lamb will conquer them for he is Lord of lords and king of kings. And those who are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Now the unfaithful aren't gonna be with him. So it's just, so faithfulness is a big deal. Now my first point is, God is faithful, and we should proclaim this and sing it. God abounds in faithfulness. It's his very nature. So when Jesus says, trust in God, trust also in me, we can do so because we know we can trust God because he's absolutely faithful. The Bible says, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with Moses and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. That's why we sometimes need to repent for the sins of the, of the fathers. Uh, somebody needs to repent. <laughs> All right, if the father dies and lived in miserable sin, uh, the children should ask God uh, uh, for forgiveness for that. Now, the psalmist wrote, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you, Psalms 89:14. Jeremiah wrote, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Well, that's a, a beautiful hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. But that verse was Lamentations 3:22 and 23. Now, Isaiah prophesied of the coming Messiah, Jesus, and he said, Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins, Isaiah 11.5. Moses proclaimed the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness and without iniquity. Just and upright is he, Deuteronomy 32.4. Now, Uh, The Apostle Paul wrote, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but will, with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Proclaiming and praising God for his faithfulness is a good and right thing to do because it's true. So it's just a good and right thing to do. But You know, God deserves to be greatly praised for his wonderful faithfulness. However, it's very good for us to praise and proclaim his faithfulness because it drives away worry. And when we're praising and exalting God for his faithfulness, it helps us believe and receive. 
In my book, Faith Concepts of Jesus, I explain that worry and worship have the same five steps. Worshippers first look to the Lord. Secondly, they magnify the Lord. And as they magnify the Lord, their expectations begin to flow from the Lord. Then they come under his dominion and serve him as a slave of righteousness. And then they become like the Lord. And, of course, that's exactly what uh, what worriers do, except they don't look to the Lord. They look to the problem, and they magnify the problem. First, they look at the problem, and they magnify it, and then their expectation starts to flow from the problem. And then they come under the dominion of the problem and serve it as a, a slave of fear, and then they become a problem. So, you see, there's a tremendous benefit uh, when we praise and magnify the faithfulness of the Lord, it's going to help us, it's going to help our expectations flow from Him. Now, I've noticed that even conservative talk show hosts are, well, they're, they're usually not preachers, so what do they do? They talk about the problems, and you can listen to about any of them, and, and the radio is just full of problems. Now, they're rightly saying that this policy is wrong and this guy is telling a lie and this person is cheating and that and so on and so forth. But that's not going to help your faith. You're going to have to look to the Lord and, uh, and praise the Lord and think about the Lord so your expectations don't flow from those problems. So we need to be, you know, informed. But, uh, if you catch yourself just starting to think about problems all the time, you better shut off the radio and uh, uh, and get busy uh, reading the Word of God. Get your eyes on God. All right, now, our, our world, uh, as it becomes more uncertain, the more we need to praise God for His faithfulness and proclaim this in our, in our self-talk, what we're saying to each other. God deserves such praise, but we really need to avoid falling into worry and negative expect expectations and slavery to fear and circumstances. Now, most of you in this audience, what we call partners in courage, most of you are worshipers, as I am, but no matter how long you've worshipped the Lord, we need to turn up our praises of God's faithfulness and proclaim it more than ever because there's more things to worry about now. Things are changing fast. There's even bigger problems on the horizon. I've, I've seen tornadoes before, and they come out of wall clouds. And once I saw a big black wall cloud, it had a pot belly on it, and out of that pot belly came uh, two uh, tornadoes. And... Uh, and that's the way it is as we look at the horizon. We see this big storm cloud coming our way. It looks like a massive wall cloud in the spirit, and tornadoes come out of that thing. And so we better look at God, hadn't we, and, and, uh, and be praising him for his faithfulness so that we remain worshipers and not worriers, and our, expecta our expectations will flow from him, and that will help us receive from him. So we're either, we're either going to worship or worry. You know, it's not possible to avoid worship and live free of fear. So you say, somebody says, well, I'm not going to worship God. I don't believe in God. I'm an atheist. Well, you're going to live in fear. You can't get away from it. All right? If you say, I don't, I don't want to be a Christian. I don't want to serve God. I don't want to think about God. All right. You're going to be a slave of fear. There isn't any other way around it. The only thing that can deliver you from a life of fear is a life of worship. Now, faith works when we consider God to be faithful to fulfill all his promises to us. And so in Hebrews 11, 11, it says, And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. Isn't that a great verse? She considered him to be faithful who had made the promise. And so she was enabled to have a, a miracle and had a baby when she was uh, something like close to 90 years old. Now, the psalmist Ethan, the Ezraite, uh, he, he said, I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. That's a lot better than saying I should sing of the Lord, you know. I should use my mouth to make known God's faithfulness to all generations. Well, it's, it's good to say I will. I will do this. And then uh, he said, I'll make known your faithfulness to all generations. So let's tell the children. 
uh, let's tell the teens, let's tell the college students and the young adults and the young marrieds and all the adults, right up to those in the nursing home, uh, that God is faithful. Well, like I said, it's impossible to worry and worship at the same time, and it's impossible to proclaim fear if you're declaring God's faithfulness. God blesses those who declare his faithfulness, and that's why the psalmist reminded God, I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. Psalms 40, verse 10. In our day now, the great congregation is social media. So don't conceal God's uh, faithfulness <laughs> from your great uh, social media following, right? Uh, declare God's faithfulness over the social media. Have you heard that the Taliban Muslims in Afghanistan execute people for making music? See, their God won't allow any music at all, but our God wants us to praise him. That's why uh, their God and our God are not the same God. Don't ever think that they are the same God. No, they're not. Our God loves uh, uh, praise with instruments. So the Bible says it's good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. Day and night is a good thing to sing praises to the Lord. Now, trust in God's faithfulness. The Bible says he will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you'll find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. Psalms 91.4. Wow, that's what a shield. God's faithfulness is your shield. That's a, the ultimate protection. Also, appeal to God's faithfulness when you pray, like the psalmist who wrote, But as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord, at an acceptable time, O God, in the abundance of your steadfast love, answer me according to your saving faithfulness. Psalm 68, 13. I will praise God for making faithful plans from before time began. Have you ever done that? Thank you, Lord, that you had me in mind before the earth, earth began. Well, the Bible says, you know, that uh, he planned to have his own inherit the earth, inherit the whole kingdom, share his eternal glory. And uh, so with the psalmist, we can say, I, I bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness, for you have exalted all things uh, above all things, your name and your word. Psalms 138 verse 2. My second point is God is faithful to bless faithfulness and faithful to punish unfaithfulness. You know, what kind of blessings could you ask God for? I've often thought, what's the greatest thing I could ask for? And I've come down to this. Above every blessing I could ask for, I think the greatest is this and the most desirable. Give me grace, dear Lord, to be totally faithful to you. See, because what I want to do is obey God. All right, well then, grace is going to empower me. Real grace always empowers. Say that out loud because it's so important. Real grace always empowers. Faithfulness, by definition, takes no timeouts. It doesn't switch on and off. It abides. It's constant. God abundantly blesses faithfulness. The faithful know this, and they're unconcerned if God waits for some time before the blessings flow, they keep right on being faithful, even if the reward comes in the distant future. They keep being faithful even in times of great persecution. David was confident that God would reward him for being faithful to honor God by honoring his anointed king, King Saul. Now, King Saul had gone crazy. He'd gone insane. He had murdered uh, the whole, uh, whole village of priests, something like a hundred priests and all their wives and children. He was a mass murderer by this time. And uh, David had two opportunities to kill him. But both times he spared King Saul's life. And uh, he believed that 
God was going to reward him for this faithfulness. So uh, after he had spared King Saul's life, uh, he cried after King Saul, the Lord rewards every man for his righteousness and faithfulness. For the Lord gave you into my hand today, and I would not put out my hand against the Lord's anointed. First Samuel twenty six twenty three. So that meant David was going to continue to be chased and hunted and persecuted, persecuted by King Saul. But he he was so confident that the Lord rewards every man for his faithfulness. So David just stuck with being faithful. The Holy Spirit spoke through Hannah who was the father of the prophet or the mother of the prophet Samuel and she prophesied he will guard the feet of his faithful ones but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness for not by might shall a man prevail and david wrote love the lord all you his saints the lord preserves the faithful but abundantly repays the one who acts in pride psalms 31 the prophet Samuel warned Israel after they had demanded a king, and he said, Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. In other words, he was confident that God would punish unfaithfulness. God spoke to and through King Solomon and said, a faithful man will abound with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. Well, that means those who are greedy and who uh, make money their idol, they won't go unpunished. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, uh, Moses gave 14 verses of curses and then many more, ver oh, excuse me, I said it wrong. He gave 14 verses of blessings and then the rest of the chapter is curses that come to those who are unfaithful. But the first verse says, If you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commands that I command you today, the Lord will set you high above all the nations on the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. Well, I've memorized a lot of those, so I can quote some by heart. Like it says, you'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the country. You'll be blessed when you go in and blessed when you, when you go out. Your enemies will come at you one way, but flee from you seven ways. You're going to be blessed when you buy and blessed when you sell. Now, you don't. it's nice to memorize those verses, you see, but if, if you miss the point, the, the first few words are the most important, if you faithfully obey. See, all these blessings are going to come upon you, all right? Now, you don't need to memorize all the curses either. Just remember, it's a very bad idea to be unfaithful to God. The psalmist wrote, Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. Psalm 73, 27. The Bible says the wicked will be cut off from the land and the unfaithful will be torn from it. Proverbs 2, 22. It's important to ask God for grace to be faithful. Now, grace is best defined as, quote, the activated power of God, unquote. And many, listen carefully to me, many have bought into a false definition of grace as if grace will cover and excuse unfaithfulness. And those who buy into this lazy grace believe that obedience and faithfulness are optional because they're saved by grace. Well, we are saved by grace, but then the devil wants to redefine grace as uh, like a hall pass to where you don't have to go to class, you don't have to do anything, you don't have to obey, you don't have to be faithful. You, every, everything's just like, well, it's a false definition of grace. Grace is going to empower you to be faithful, not excuse you from being unfaithful. All right, there's, there's no excuse for being unfaithful because grace would help you be faithful, real grace. And so, uh, woe to those who embrace lazy grace because they no longer fear the consequences that come to the unfaithful from a holy God. Now, recently I was preaching somewhere and spontaneously this, this parable came to me. And I believe it was just like a prophetic utterance. And so all of a sudden I heard myself saying, there were two school teachers, both named Grace. And the first Grace said, my name is Grace. 
I'm going to give you all straight A's. You won't have to study or even come to class. I'll let you graduate and get a diploma, even if you can't read or do simple math. My name is Grace. Now, the second teacher said, My name is Grace. I love to help students succeed. I'll help you learn to read and do math. I'll even give you individual time and attention after school to help you get it. And when you graduate, you'll be able to succeed in life with these skills. My name is Grace. Now, if you were a student and you could choose your teacher, would you be so stupid to choose the teacher that excused you from class and gave you an A, although you, couldn't, you didn't learn anything? Would you want that teacher? See, a lot of Christians want that grace. Come on, say amen. A lot of Christians want the wrong grace. It's a false grace. It's a devilish grace. It's a lie. And it's one of Satan's main plans to destroy those who claim to be Christians. All right? If you're a smart student, you'd say, I, I, like that. I, I want that grace teacher that empowers me. That empowers me. Yes, real grace always empowers. In a false confidence that comes from a false definition of grace, many believers do not think what God spoke to the prophet Ezekiel could possibly apply to them. And God said to Ezekiel, but if a righteous person turns from their righteousness and commits sin and does the same detestable things the wicked person does, will they live? None of the righteous things that person has done will be remembered because of the unfaithfulness they are guilty of and because of the sins they have committed, they will die. Well, everybody dies. That's talking about the second death being cast into the lake of fire uh, in a resurrected body. Uh, that's uh, the lake of fire is mentioned in Revelations 2014 and this portion of scripture from Ezekiel is chapter 18, verse 14. My third point, we need to desire faithfulness above all and choose it. So the psalmist wrote, I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. Just, we choose faithfulness. Psalms 119.30. The Bible says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. That's a key. Befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Now, we often quote uh, Psalms 37.4 delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. But we need to memorize verse 3, uh, dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. See, a major part of delighting in the Lord is to befriend faithfulness. Now, how do, how do you befriend faithfulness? Well, you don't reject your friends and you share their interests and you spend time with them you let them influence you. So uh, Jesus is the physical embodiment of faithfulness. So befriend him and share his interests and spend time with him. And then that way you'll be befriending faithfulness. And so then when you delight in his faithfulness and in his faithful ways, your heart's desire will be in accordance with God's will. You won't be desiring anything evil and Therefore, God can give you the desires of your heart. God said to and through King Solomon, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you'll find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Proverbs 3, 3 through 4. When I was a boy, I grew up on a cattle ranch and uh, we, would, we had a almost up to 500 acres of hay in a good, uh, when, the, when there was enough rain for that. So my first job was on the hay field was to learn to, to run a wheel rake. And uh, uh, those are big round wheels with rake teeth on them. And uh, I'd have to be looking over my shoulder all the time to constantly make sure that first wheel of the rake was picking up the, the windrow of hay. And this eventually caused a tendon in my neck to contract with excruciating pain. And uh, I, had to, uh, I had to lay on my back for two weeks with a pillow on either side of my head and try not to move even a muscle as, as that tendon had to relax. And if I wiggled my toe, it hurt my neck. If I moved my arm, it hurt my neck. I, I found out that all the muscles in my body are connected to my neck. 
So when it says bind uh, faithfulness around your neck, it means to let faithfulness control all your outer actions. Now when it says to bind right faithfulness on your heart, it means to let faithfulness control your inner motivations, your, the things that are going on inside your heart. Since I've been 19 years old, I've bound faithfulness on my heart. That's when, you know, when I was 19, the Lord showed me that the heart motive of Jesus was to bring glory to the Father. And then he uh, convicted me when my motives were self-glorifying. And then pretty, pretty soon I, I just got that burning motivation in me that I wanted to glorify God all day, all night, every day, ever since. Now, that's bound on my heart. That's an inner thing. But I want faithfulness to also control all my outer actions. <laughs> all right, now, uh, you see, those verses are telling us to choose to be faithful, intentionally choose to live faithfully to God. Part of choosing faithfulness is to choose to devise good. That means to plan good things. Think of good things to do. Make plans to do them and then work the plans. Now listen to this verse. This is Proverbs 14:22 in the ESV version. Do they not go astray who devise evil? Those who devise good meet steadfast love and faithfulness. Now as I was studying for this message, I found that verse in this particular translation. Those who devise good meet steadfast love and faithfulness, and I felt it go into my heart and produce faith. You see, I'm in the process of devising more good tracks and books. And uh, as I devise these good things, these ways to disciple people and win people and get people delivered, well, then I'm going to come face to face with God's faithfulness. God is going to help me. <laughs> Isn't that exciting? I'm going to meet faithfulness face to face. Now, as I plan to do uh, write uh, books and tracks, maybe some of you would like to plan to pay for one of those tracks. Uh, every every full-color drawing costs at least $100, and uh, uh, typically a uh, fully illustrated tract has from anywhere from five to nine uh, drawings, and then it costs at least a couple hundred dollars to typeset it, and then... Uh, you know, if we print 15,000, we were getting them at 10 cents a piece. With inflation coming, I suppose that will go up. But uh, so to get a tract out in, uh, you know, 15,000 tracts at the point where we can sell them at cost and get people to buy them for just 10 cents each, you know, it takes an initial invest investment of, of nearly $2,100, something to that, uh, you know, maybe anywhere from $21 to $2,500. Now, I'm planning to write these books and things, but I sure would like to have somebody devise to fund them. And maybe if you just devise to fund a, a couple of the drawings, uh, then uh, you'd be planning something good and faithfulness would meet you. Well, that's exciting. And I'm going to do everything I can to devise good, and uh, I'm looking forward to faithfulness meeting me. Now that verse again is Proverbs 14:22 in the ESV version. In uh, in the NIV, Isaiah 32:8, but the noble make noble plans and by noble deeds they stand. Well, that's very similar, isn't it? They stand uh, in their noble deeds because they planned to do noble things, faithful things, and then, then they meet uh, faithfulness. They have encounters of the most intimate kind with God's faithfulness. I can hardly wait to devise some new good project, to make some new noble plan, and then do it with the empowerment and provision that comes from God's faithfulness. But listen, dear friend, don't wait for me to tell you about the next experience that I have face-to-face -face with God's faithfulness. Uh, you'll hear about that sooner or later because I'm going to devise uh, good things. 
and then I'll meet faithfulness face to face. But why not do it yourself and have your own meeting? And then I can tell you about what my meeting with faithfulness was like, and you can tell me what your meeting with faithfulness was like. So devise something good. (laughs) Make a great good plan. And uh, then uh, do it. Get into action. The Bible says lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. So we want to get into action. We don't just think of something noble to do, but uh, make the plan and then do it. Act on it. Remember, whenever we set out to do a vision for God, we almost never have the money to do it. And Satan is very diligent to remind us, you don't have the money, you don't have the resources, you don't have the connections, you don't have the experience. Now, folks, all of us have to learn to tell him, shut up, you are not my coach. I'll have all of these things when I meet God's faithfulness face-to-face. Now, lift your hands if you can. If you're not driving a car, don't go in a ditch or anything. But if you can, just lift your hands and praise God that it's so true right now. Hallelujah. The devil would say, you don't have the money, you don't have the resources, you don't have the connections, you don't have the experience, but you say, shut up. You're not my coach. I'll have all those things when I meet God's faithfulness face-to-face. Therefore, we move forward, devising, planning, good things and taking action. My fourth point is apply faithfulness to everything. Some people, have you ever met somebody that they just like to put peanut butter on everything? Uh, I, I like to put peanut butter on scrambled eggs, but you know, some people just, and green beans is another thing. I just love peanut butter on green beans. Well, then some people put salt on everything. They'll be eating watermelon, they put salt on it. And then some people put to Tabasco sauce. They like that fiery Tabasco sauce, so they'll put that on just about everything. Well, all of us should put faithfulness in and on everything we think and do. So put faithfulness on what you do in secret or in private. The psalmist wrote, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It will not cling to me. Psalms 101 verse 3. Put faithfulness on your prophetic ministry. God said to Jeremiah, let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream, but let him who has my word speak my word faithfully. What has straw in common with wheat, declares the Lord. Jeremiah 23, 28. Well, if you have God's prophetic word, uh, speak it faithfully. It takes great faithfulness to give spiritual warnings uh, and uh, if that's the word that God wants you to give. Now, warnings and corrections will save anybody that heeds the warning, but if they don't, they will persecute the prophet. So you might get uh, persecuted, banned. At some point, we might even get killed. Uh, but speaking the truth about what is right and what is wrong, see, that's, that's prophetic. Now, the world has decided to be the authority on what's right and what's wrong. The news media, the Democratic Party in particular, they want to tell you that they are the new uh, source to tell you what's right and what's wrong. But, of course, they're not. God is the source. The, his Word is the source. The Holy Spirit's the source. And so when we stand up and say uh, what you're calling, you're calling right wrong and wrong right, black, white, and white, black, I'm going to stick with what God says. Then uh, you got to do that faithfully. Now, put faithfulness on an apostolic calling. The Apostle Paul wrote, this is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 through 3. If you have a ministry of giving, put faithfulness on it. Now, we're all stewards. Not everybody's an apostolic uh, uh, gifts and callings to, to be faithful to, but we're all stewards of our finances and possessions that really belong to God rather than ourselves. Whether we have an abundance like Philemon, you know, Philemon was a wealthy man and he had servants and slaves, and Paul asked him to set one of his slaves named Onesimus free because guy ran away and uh, Paul uh, met him in prison and led him to Christ and uh, now Paul didn't have anything he said for whose sake I've suffered the loss of all things all material things I count them as dung that I might I may have Christ well he was very rich in the spirit 
But uh, near his death, he, he asked, uh, I believe it was Timothy, to, to bring a, a spare coat to him and some parchments. And, and so uh, uh, now it, it, it's the, up to the will of God, whether God makes you a wealthy business person that finances the gospel or, or makes you a prisoner of the Lord like the Apostle Paul. Those things are up to the will of God. But whatever, whatever God has chosen for you, Faithfulness is required in both instances. So if you're prosperous, be faithful. If you're uh, rich in the spirit but uh, otherwise poor like Paul was, uh, you got to be faithful. Jesus said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Luke 16.10. The Apostle Paul admonished all believers to put faithfulness on Rejoicing. Remember, we started this point by saying some people put peanut butter on everything or salt on everything or Tabasco sauce on everything. Now, I'm continuing to say put faithfulness on rejoicing and on thanksgiving and on prayer. Uh, and, and so Paul wrote, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18. To the Roman Christians, he wrote, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And then we want to apply faithfulness even to justice and righteousness and holiness. Uh, God spoke through the prophet Amos, but let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. See, that would be faithful, faithful to justice, never taking a break, like the river that runs, doesn't go dry. Jesus said, the one who is faithful in a very little, I think I already read that, uh, so I can, uh, don't have to say that again, but let me give you this story. I, I once read a very memorable story, a true story, about a wealthy business owner who was planning on promoting a young man to a very important position of responsibility, and so he took him out to lunch, and he was going to announce the promotion to him at lunch, but as they went through the line, it was one of those things where you slide your tray down and then you choose which item and they put those items on your tray and then at the end they total up uh, they total up your uh, your cost and so the young man uh, was taking some items and he took two pads of butter and and slid them underneath his plate so that the uh, you know the clerk that was going to ring up the charge couldn't see those little tabs of butter and and so the the man that was going to promote him noticed his dishonesty with about two cents worth of butter and did not announce the promotion to him instead he just kept silent they had lunch he went back and wrote a dismissal letter and fired the young man <laughs> well why because if he won't be honest enough to uh, see he was going to put stolen butter on his biscuit but he should have applied faithfulness instead. The Bible says, let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. Let the one who does right continue to do right. And let the holy person continue to be holy. So apply faithfulness to righteousness and holiness. I often speak in very small churches and on small stages to small audiences. And I prepare as much uh, for a sermon that's going to be delivered from 12 to 20 people as I do for a service to hundreds of people. Why? Why? Well, uh, I want to be faithful. If you're faithful in a few things, you'll be faithful in much. Amen? So if, if God saw me slacking off to a small audience, why would he give me an opportunity for a bigger one? My fifth point is we must be faithful to do God's will, not our own will. You see, if we faithfully did our own will, faithfulness would not count. And so if we were faithfully doing our own will, it wouldn't be faithfulness at all. It would be consistency. We'd be consistent to do our own will, but that's not spiritual faithfulness. In order to be spiritually faithful, you have to be faithful to something, which is God's will. The glorious risen Christ says to the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I have received authority from my father. Revelations 2.26. 
Now, remember, we got to do God's will to the end. Then there is going to be everlasting ministry and to rule and reign with Christ. What a wonderful, what a wonderful idea. While still on earth, Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Matthew 7, 21. And that's why I pray to be filled with the knowledge of God's will, and I pray that on a daily basis. I want to know the general direction of God's will, but I also want to be so in tune with the Holy Spirit that I can perceive how to react in any certain situation. Just real quickly, the peace of God, the Bible says, let the peace of God umpire or rule in your heart like an umpire would rule what's in bounds and out of bounds in a baseball game. Well, when the peace lifts, you, you know you're out of bounds. You, you've got to move from one priority area to another. So if you're doing too much work and the peace lifts, that's the Holy Spirit saying, go home and spend time with your family. And uh, so you see there, there's moment-by-moment moment revelations of God's will, and I, and I want to be sensitive to that because I, I want to be faithful to the will of God. So this beautiful prayer is uh, really one we should memorize in Colossians 1, 9 through 11. Paul said, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Now, remember, I'm saying if, you'd, if, if you're faithful to your own will, that's only consistency. To be spiritually faithful, you'd have to be faithful to God's will. Howard Pittman uh, was called into the ministry, but he didn't want to be a minister. He wanted to be a law enforcement officer, so that's what he did. And he became, I believe, a sheriff. And, uh, but uh, because he was called to the ministry, he tried to placate God by teaching Sunday school. They kept something like 20 foster kids over the years. He, he would uh, witness on the street and give out tracts. And, uh, you know, he'd, he, so he'd, he tithed and all those things. But one day, an artery burst in his leg, and he had a near-death experience. And angels carried him to the gate of heaven, but the gates wouldn't open. And so he was standing outside of the, the gates, and he said, God, this is Howard Pittman. And he began to recite off, I've taught Sunday school for you. I've, I've witnessed for you. I've tithed for you. I've kept all these foster kids for you. And the gates were not opening. <laughs> and all of a sudden, God spoke to him. And before he even heard the words, the tone of God's voice smashed him to the surface he was standing on. And, and he said the tone of his voice speaking in displeasure was was more frightening than, than multitudes of tornadoes and hailstorms put together. And God said to him, you haven't been serving me. You have been serving yourself. I rejected that kind of life from the Pharisees. What makes you think I'll receive it from you, Howard Pittman? Well, now God, in his great mercy, let Howard's spirit go back into his body, and he did not die right then. He, he lived, and I tell you what, he went right uh, into the ministry, and <laughs> he left law enforcement. He realized, man, I got to do the will of God, or it doesn't count. Now, folks, take that to heart. Uh, you, you, you can't uh, make up your own will and then try to throw God a few crumbs. Only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. That's the only one going to be in heaven. And so faithfulness is required. It, it isn't optional. Now, Howard spoke at my church once when I pastored in Omaha, and when he told that story, he'd make an altar call for salvation, and people were so convicted of sin, they would flock forward. I never saw anybody make better altar calls than him. And so he ministered for many, many years, wrote many great books and stuff. 
Here's the deal. Folks, we don't choose whether we're male or female. That's decided by our maker. The Bible says God made them male and female, Genesis 1.27. So to identify as a different sex is really to rebel against the will of your creator. It's a bad idea. The suicide rate among the transgender people is very high because no one can find satisfaction in the flesh. Jesus said that those who worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. He said God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So if you're going to find connection with God, it won't be through your flesh. Our wicked society is trying to tell young people that if they aren't happy, they should change their sex or go have sex with this person, that person, or several persons. Or You know, it's just all a big bunch of confusion. No, you should worship God in your spirit, in spirit and in truth. See, look, don't define yourself by your flesh. Someone says, well, I'm a, I'm a this, I'm a that, I'm a... No, you're, you're a spirit. You live in a body. Your body has all kinds of weird desires. Uh, bring your spirit to God and he'll help you control your body in a holy and, and, and decent way. Now, we don't choose the works we'll do for God. The Bible says that God has prepared good works in advance for us to do in Ephesians 2.10. God chooses whether we'll be tortured for Christ or live in peace and security until we die. God chooses to, uh, whether to protect us from martyrdom as he did the apostle John. They tried to kill him twice. Uh, once they tried to boil him in oil, tradition says, or history says, but he wouldn't die. And, uh, and they, they exiled him to a barren island where he should have starved to death, but that's where he wrote the book of Revelation. So he lived to be a very old man, died uh, peacefully. All the other apostles were martyred. And Stephen, uh, you know, so God's will for John was to live a long time, but then Stephen was such a mighty man of God, and, and God's choice for him was to have a very early death and be martyred. The point is, you got to be faithful to do God's will. So I used to desire, you know, a long life. I thought if I live a long time, I'll be able to bring more glory to God. Well, I still desire that, but, but more than that, I desire to do God's will. So if God's will is for me to uh, rebuke some wicked guy and have him shoot me or something, <laughs> you know... I, I still would like to live a long time, but I tell you what, I just want to be faithful. That's all that counts. If you were, if you lived a double long life and you weren't faithful, it, it wouldn't count. Now, back when I was 19, I, you know, I had a girlfriend for the last two years. I, I was in high school, dated her two years, led her to Christ, and uh, then I went to Bible school. I was one year older than her, and while I was in Bible school that first year, she found somebody else and wrote me a Dear West letter. I shook the gates of heaven trying to get God to give me back that girlfriend. And I went home that summer and tried to win her back. She got married to that other guy. And I was out on a plow one day on my father's ranch. And I said to myself, man, if, if she was the will of God for my life, it would it'd have worked out. The Bible says he makes everything work in conformity with the purpose of his will. That's a verse somewhere in Ephesians chapter 1. And so I quoted that to the Lord, and I said, so, so she must not have been your will. And I said, God, I don't ever want to have my heart set on something that isn't your will. So from now on, if you'll show me your will instantly, I'll make it my will. Now, since I'm 71 and uh, I made that promise when I was 19. I've kept that promise. I intend to keep it. And sometimes I'll tell you the will of God is very, very difficult. You can embrace it, but then you have to ask for grace to be able to keep doing it. And for instance, Jesus said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, it meant the cup of suffering on the cross. Yet not my will, but, but yours be done. Well, Choose the will of God, whether it's hard or difficult. If it's really, really difficult, then you just ask for God's grace to empower you. The right kind of grace will empower you to be faithful. My sixth point, eventually faithfulness explodes into blessing. Now, faithfulness is a multiplier, a, like, like peanut butter or salt or Tabasco sauce added to something might flavor it. Faithfulness is 
is also a multiplier. Apply it to anything and good results are multiplied. Now, I hope you'll all read the book of Esther. If you've never read it, it's, it's, the, it's a story about uh, a young girl and, uh, and her uh, older cousin, Mordecai, who adopted her. Her parents died and he was her cousin, uh, but she was a young cousin. So he adopted her and raised her as his own daughter. And he was so faithful to her. And then she got chosen to, to uh, be the queen of the Persian Empire. And uh, he just continued to be loyal. Mordecai did. And uh, when he was sitting out in front of the king's gate, he found out that there was an assassination plot against the king. And so he was faithful there and uh, notified the king. The king's life was saved. And he didn't get any reward for it. And then when the king promoted Haman the Agagite, a very wicked man, Mordecai was faithful to God, wouldn't bow down to him, although that was certainly putting his life in danger. Now, faithfulness is, when, when you're faithful, it's like you're, you're, you're laying a long fuse to a big pile of fireworks, see? And, and, and you don't want to cut that fuse because at some point God will light it and make faithfulness explode into blessings. So uh, faithfulness on one hand is like a pile of fireworks that could explode into blessings. But, but then it's also like a fuse. And, it, and if you quit being faithful, the fuse will be cut. Now, uh, so the way that faithfulness exploded into blessings for him, God didn't light that fuse until just the right time. So Haman decided to kill all the Jews, but he was so incensed with Mordecai, finally he made a gallows 75 feet high and was going to go in the next morning and ask permission to hang Mordecai on those gallows. Well, that night the king couldn't sleep and he called for the royal records to be read to him. And uh, early in the morning then, they read all night long and finally came to the place where it said that uh, Mordecai the Jew had, uh, had, had saved him from assassination. And he said, what's been done for that guy? They said, nothing. And he said, who's in the king's court? Haman had just walked in to ask permission to hang Mordecai. So, uh, the king says, uh, what shall be done for the man the king delights to honor? Haman's thinking, well, it must be me. And so he said, uh, you know, let him, uh, uh, one of the king's most uh, noble princes, uh, clothe the man in the king's own robe, put a, uh, have him ride on one of the horses the king's is ridden on with the royal crest and everything and and uh, put a crown on his head and, and, and have that noble prince lead the horse through the city saying, thus it shall be done for the man the king delights to honor. And the king said, go do that right now for Mordecai the Jew. <laughs> well, faithfulness was exploding because uh, uh, by the before that day was over, uh, Haman was hanged on the gallows he had made for Mordecai. You should read the story. It's just a marvelous story of faithfulness exploding into blessing. And then the king took the signet ring that he had put on Haman's finger and he put it on uh, Mordecai's finger. Now, uh, the Bible says that then Mordecai was clothed in real fancy white and blue clothes with a purple robe, uh, a royal purple robe, and a great big gold crown was put on his head. So he got uh, personal blessings, but then it said that uh, at the end of the book, it said that, that he was held in high esteem by the Jews because he, uh, he worked for the good of his people and spoke up for the welfare of all the Jews. So when faithfulness exploded into blessings for him, he used the, the greater platform, the greater exposure, the greater uh, stuff to serve faithfully. Now, that's the way we want, see? Uh, I've been serving God for a long time, 48 years in the ministry, and I look at my book table now and I think of all the years of work and study that it took to make all those resources. All the tracks, the DVDs, and the books, and the teacher's guides, and the student workbooks. So my faithfulness is exploding into blessings for others. <laughs> now, if I keep being faithful, 
uh, God could easily ignite the fuse and explode it into a, 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 a ministry with much more exposure, uh, much more financial resources. I might, you know, I might be blessed financially much more than I am at this point. But what I'm considering is that if it does explode into great blessings like that, I want to be like Mordecai and use the new blessings to continue to serve and, and bless others. And then I compare, uh, I think about King Uzziah. Now, he was faithful year after year after year, very faithful to God. But when he was at the height of his power, he got prideful. And he decided that he wanted to do what the priest did and come into the presence of God in the holy place and burn incense to God. And, and of course, God forbid anybody but the priest to do that. But he just thought he was God's favorite. And, uh, you know, so when he went in there, the priest rebuked him, told him that he needed to get out. And he raged at him. And then leprosy broke out on his forehead. And he never recovered. He lived alone in disgrace because, you see, he went from years of faithfulness. And then when he, when he got big and powerful, instead of using that, all that big, powerful blessing stuff to serve people even better, he turned it around and wanted to promote himself into a position God hadn't offered him. And he was unfaithful. And the Bible says the very words, he was unfaithful. Wow. So, I believe faithfulness will explode into blessings either in this life or the next. But you see, if God makes it explode for me in this life, I want to be careful that I end like Mordecai, not like King Uzziah. I want to use whatever promotion comes my way to serve even more people. And eventually, when we rule and reign with Christ, you know, I've often told God, I'll help you feed the birds you know, the Bible says that, that God uh, provides food for the young ravens. So here he is, the highest in the universe, and here he is serving his creation, even right down to feeding the baby birds. So if we're exalted with Christ, you know what? Then we're going to use that position and power to love and serve others and I like that idea. My seventh point, I got seven points. This is the last one. Ride with the Word of God today. Back in the 1970s, I was reading the book of Revelation, and I, I saw this verse. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. See, that's Jesus' name, faithful and true. With justice, he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of Almighty God. On his robe and on his thigh he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's Revelations 19, 11 through 15. Now, remember that it says uh, the, the Jesus is going to be on this heavenly white horse, but behind him are going to be uh, the armies of heaven also riding on white horses. So if I'm in heaven at that time, I would, you know, I told the Lord one day, I said, uh, boy, Lord, I, I would like to ride with the, the word of God in that day. He spoke something to me, which I'll tell you in just a minute. But first of all, I remember when I was like one of my earliest memories. I was probably only three or four. And my grandfather, Jesse Doffenbaugh, had an Arabian horse, a white horse that was very fast. And he took me for a gallop on that horse. Now, he set me kind of up on the front of the saddle there right in front of him. He had his arm around me so I wouldn't fall off. And, and man, we took off and galloped fast on that white horse. And later I learned to, to ride, you know, and that, that white horse was the fastest of all of our, all of our horses. I learned to, to ride him. 
but I haven't ever ridden a horse that flies through the heavens <laughs> like those angelic horses. And so when I was reading that, you know, I was thinking, wow, I would, I would like to ride on one of those heavenly horses and ride with the Word of God. So that's what I said. Oh, oh Lord, I said, I would like to ride with the Word of God in that day. And God spoke to me and said, if you want to ride with the Word of God in that day, ride with the Word of God today. Now, that sounds just like the Lord, doesn't it? Well, it was the Lord. And so, would you like to ride with the Word of God in that heavenly army when he returns, uh, riding a white horse, dressed in fine linen, white and clean? Uh, well, then ride with the Word of God today. Be faithful to the Word of God. Now, one of the best things you could ever do is get a faithful habit to read the Bible every day. And not let one day go by, but what you read at least one chapter of the Word. That is such a simple habit. But see, if you want to ride with the Word of God in that day, ride with the Word of God today. Seek God in His Word and then believe it and speak it and memorize it and do it. And uh, the day will come when all that faithfulness will explode into blessing and we want to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You were faithful in a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, the Bible also says, be faithful unto death, and I'll give you the crown of life. So whether we live a long time or we get martyred, I just want to be faithful till I cross the finish line into eternal glory. And uh, I hope that you will do the same and will ride with the Word of God today. And then in that day, we'll ride with the Word of God again. May God conform each of us to his full image so that we're faithful to all God's will, just as Jesus is and forever will be. Now let's say his name together in Jesus' name. I love you. God bless you. If you would like to partner with us at Encouragement Expert, please email us at pastorbacker at gmail.com or you can write P.O. Box 485 Cresswell, Oregon 97426.